Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. Well, as I said, it's good to be back, and thanks to Amanda and her team for leading us today. And also a big thanks to Terry and Kingsley covering the speaking over the last couple weeks and all those who made the service happen, the Easter service. I enjoyed them very much from my couch. (laughs) And uh, it was just great to see everyone pulling together, worshiping together, learning together. It was awesome. But it's good to be back. And I'm excited to dig into the letter of Colossians, this four-chapter letter that Paul wrote as we explore what it means to flourish as modern saints. Now, the word saints is tricky. What pops into your mind when you hear the word saint? What kind of images? What kind of people? What comes to your mind? Maybe you think of someone who's really, really good. Or perhaps uh, a holy person who is, you know, let's be honest, they kind of walk slightly elevated. So look, they hover across the ground. They have a, if you look closely, they have a glowing halo behind their head. Those are saints, right? Or maybe it's just a dead person from long ago, or we maybe use it to describe a person who has done this extraordinary altruistic service. Uh, We might even use language like, oh, she's a dear old saint. Someone with a good heart, right? Someone maybe that's particularly reverent. Or maybe we use it to describe someone that we feel has a really special connection to God. What pops into your mind when you think of the word saint? One of the things that seems fairly consistent is that when we think of saints, we usually think of people who lived a long time ago, or at least have lived for a long time, People who are so extraordinary and so exemplary that we hold them up in special esteem because, let's be honest, we know that we aren't one of them. We exist in a different category. Even when we describe a so-called modern-day saint like Teresa, Mother Teresa, we look at her and we kind of point them and we think, yeah, maybe she's a saint, maybe not officially, whatever. She's a saint, but they kind of exist in a category all of their own. There's the saints, and well, there's the rest of us over here who are clearly not saints. And so it may be surprising to you to hear that right off the bat, the Apostle Paul, who's also known historically as St. Paul, as he was in a prison awaiting Caesar's judgment, he heard reports about a vibrant little group of Christians in a city that He hadn't been in very much. He didn't seem to have done any of the kingdom work, the gospel work. It was in a region he'd been familiar with, but it was a church he didn't plant in a city that he hadn't spent a lot of time in if he visited it at all. He heard about these folks. He heard the stories about them, the descriptions. And upon hearing them, he immediately identifies them as saints. Saints. What did Paul know? What had he heard? What would make him call them that? It's quite a word when you think about it. Because that's what he does. He opens up his letter 
by calling them this. See, what we discover is that a man from this community, this city of Colossae, was maybe 25, 30,000 people. He was actually the church planter in Colossae itself. He was the guy who was right at the foundation. He's the guy who brought the good news about Jesus to them, had overseen their their acceptance of the gospel, and had seen them grow and the vibrancy and people committing their lives to Jesus and being baptized into Christ and the kind of changes that were happening. He saw this church in Colossae begin to grow, but there was concerns he had. Things were coming in. There was pressures around this young, small, probably group of of vibrant believers, and he's very concerned. We're going to see some of those pressures crop up as we go through the letter. But as he was concerned about how to lead in this, um, how to pastor well, uh, what to confront and what to leave alone and what, what to pursue and what to, you know, the kind of concerns, well, we all carry, he needed some wisdom. And so this man, Epiphras, travels, we think, to see Paul, who's in prison but able to receive guests, this is how it worked back then, he seeks Paul's wisdom and advice to get guidance and support and some sort of mentorship for the work of God among these dear people. And Paul, when he hears about all that God has been doing in this community, he's so excited. And he decides, I'm going to send them a letter. I mean, what else am I going to do? I'm chained to a guard, right? I'm going to send them a letter, and we know that Paul did this a lot. He sent a lot of letters in his times of prison. And he's going to send this letter to encourage these people, to strengthen them. Yes, to also address some of the concerns that he heard, some of the things that were pressuring them, some of the things that Epaphras was concerned about. He wants them to continue to flourish as saints. And so he writes a little letter and he calls them saints right off the bat. Listen to this. This is how he starts his little letter. The first words, he identifies himself, Paul, reading from Colossians chapter one. Paul, an apostle of Christ, a sent one of Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ in Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. He calls them saints. He identifies them immediately as God's holy ones, saints, as well as faithful brothers and sisters. In Christ, I love it. In Greek, and I, you know I don't pull up the Greek very often, but it's kind of fun here. The Greek here is hagios. He calls them the hagios, the holy ones, the people who are holy as well as faithful. And these two descriptive terms come together to describe something crucial and true about this little vibrant Christian community there in Colossae. A few verses down, he calls them saints again. It's often lost in our translations. We just see God's people, all of God's people, but it's saints. It's the same word he's using, this hagios. Well, Paul, based on what he'd heard from Epaphras, he calls them saints, and he immediately tells them how, based on what he had heard, he is so thankful to God for them. Let's begin to read together this letter to the Colossians. Starting in verse 3 again, after his little introduction, Paul says, In our prayers for you, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You have heard of this hope before in the word of the truth, the gospel that has come to you. 
Just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world, so it has been bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of God. This you learn from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Now, I love this. I want you to join me in the story. Think along with me. See, Paul had heard from Epaphras, and then later uh, a fellow named Tychicus has probably heard some stories from him as well. He's heard about some crucial things about these people. First, their faith in Christ. But as well, their love for all the saints. Their love for, for God's people, which is all connected to the hope which is a short form of saying they're understanding what God has done for them in Jesus, the resurrection, the new creation, the life that's coming, all, all of that. Because of this, and these things are now taking place in their life, their whole lives are being transformed. You can kind of imagine it. I mean, Paul's in prison, right? He only gets reports from the people that come and visit him. And you can imagine, as Epiphras has shown up and begins to tell Paul the stories of what's happening in this community, and probably not all at once, right? It's spread over days. It's, oh, uh, Paul, you got to know about this guy. Oh, let me tell you about this family, right? And he tells them about, you know, Archippus, who's been stepping up in his faith. who has been beginning to take leadership in the community. Who's beginning to, to really lean into this ministry that God has called him into. And he's leading his own household with a whole new creation lens. And it's, it's doing beautiful things. Maybe Tychicus uh, steps in and says, oh, let me tell you about Nympha and how she's been extending incredible hospitality to these followers of Jesus who, let's be honest, as they're now following Jesus, are beginning to lose some favor with some of their family members, um, some of the people in their guilds, because they're making decisions to follow Jesus that are creating dissonance, making them a bit out of step with the idolatrous culture that they have been part of. These little stories again and again and again, are speaking of a big change. You can imagine Paul hearing stories about how one man has stopped going to these local guild meetings, which is how business was done, because they were so idolatrous. To to participate in those meetings, you had to literally worship a certain God. And he realized now as a follower of Jesus, he couldn't do that. And so he began to not attend those meetings. Well, that is an incredible sign of faith in Jesus Christ. Or how about one woman who's praying faithfully for her very difficult and significantly older husband and the way her faith in Jesus is transforming her engagement, even in that, let's be honest, less than optimal marriage. Or maybe there's stories now coming to Paul about how slaves, remember a third of the Roman world were slaves in that day, how slaves were finding the new freedom that they have now in Christ. And as a result... They were serving their masters in a whole new way with this profound gospel love. And wow, was that having an effect. All this and more Paul would have heard, probably here and there, over weeks. And these stories of faith, stories of love, stories of hope, in them all, Paul recognized a fundamental truth. The good news of Jesus had taken root in this community. It was bearing the same kind of fruit there that he was seeing crop up all over the Roman Empire, everywhere the gospel was going. 
Everywhere the apostles were going, everywhere the Spirit was sending his people, we're seeing the same thing happen. And all the things he had been seeing happen in Ephesus and happen in, in, in you know, uh, back home in Antioch and, and all these different places. And now in Rome, we're happening here in Colossae. And lives are being transformed in Christ. And whatever their struggles, whatever their pressures, whatever their continued frailty, their continued sin, these were God's holy ones. Paul could tell just by the stories he was hearing. These are the faithful brothers and sisters. Friends, I want us to hear this because these ancient brothers and sisters, 2,000 years ago, they're our brothers and sisters. These ancient saints, they're with us. They're part of our life. They actually, when we look at their life, when we see the little letter that Paul wrote to them, we realize that we are still being encouraged now as modern saints to, to pay attention, to listen, to join their story and realize it's part of ours. And even to take this letter that Paul had written to encourage them and realize that by the Holy Spirit, it's been also written to encourage us, to strengthen us, to warn us, to help us flourish as modern saints. And through these months of May and June, as we dig into this little letter, I hope that you'll find in this letter, by the Holy Spirit, incredible encouragement for us, right here at Erickson Covenant Church, right here in the Crescent Valley and beyond, that we flourish as modern saints. I think you probably noticed it, but we're welcomed into this letter immediately with prayer. You saw it, right? Paul hears about their faith, their love, their hope. And he immediately expresses gratitude. And he tells them, look, we've been thanking God for you. Ever since we heard about you, ever since I heard about how the gospel has been bearing fruit and the amazing work of the Holy Spirit, how they've been flourishing in the gospel, Paul says, I have been thanking God for you. And I love the way he uses this fruit imagery and the growing and the flourishing. It's a beautiful imagery for us here in the valley. We're so aware of that. And even as we've been exploring in the Erickson Covenant Church, how our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus so they flourish in Christ and fulfill his mission in the world. And this image of, of, of growing and bearing fruit and being strengthened and all this stuff we're going to hear today and on through this letter, it's a beautiful image of flourishing the sense of new creation life that is springing up in them and in us by the Spirit. As I was reflecting on this, I realized that what Paul actually heard here from Epiphras and Tychicus and others, he heard some gospel gossip. Gospel gossip. I know gossip is a word that when we use it, it often has a negative connotation. But if you look it up in the dictionary, it's not actually inherently negative. It's just stories that are told about other people. <laughs> Stories that are told uh, that you heard about what's going on in someone else's life. And yes, honestly, lots of times it's negative. But it doesn't need to be. What Paul was part of was a kind of gospel gossip. When Epiphras and Tychicus and others are beginning to tell Paul again and again, wow, have I got a story for you. And it's exciting. And it's vibrant. And it's God-glorifying because it's gospel gossip. And that gospel gossip immediately leads Paul to gratitude, gratitude to God. So I have a question for us today. It may not be something you have thought of before, but I want to know, what's the gospel gossip you've been hearing? Specifically, what kind of stories have you been hearing about the way that 
others around you, brothers and sisters in Christ, ways that they've been digging into their faith in Jesus, ways that they've been expressing his love for others, ways that they've been living out the hope we have because of Jesus in his resurrection. What's the gospel gossip? Can you think of a story? Can you think of someone? Right now, I invite you, just uh, if you're with someone, take a moment, say their name out loud. Um, if, you're, if you're alone today listening, I encourage you to pull out a piece of paper and begin to think, what's the good news story I've been hearing about someone in my life, someone here in the church, someone in the community, the gospel gossip? What stories of faith, what stories of love, expressions of care, stories of hope, people making choices to follow Jesus, people actively uh, being obedient to what God is calling them to do. We need to hear those stories and we need to tell them. We need to be a community where we're rife with gospel gossip. You know what I'm saying? Where we're using uh, language and stories to uphold and to tell the stories about each other that lead us to gratitude. Lead us to give praise to God for the amazing work that he's doing in your life, in their lives, in her life, in his You know, I, I could tell you some stories. I won't, I'll be kind of vague because I, I always want to protect people's privacy. But, you know, it wasn't too long ago. I was having a chat. I was, I was out for a walk, to be honest with you. I was having a chat with someone through Facebook. It was a young mom who was profoundly integrating the truth of who God is as she's exploring this gospel, this new creation truth of, of the Father's love for us in Jesus by the Spirit and how her and her husband are integrating that into the way they're parenting their kids on the ground. Specifically, how it's challenging them to rethink some of the damaging parenting patterns that they had inherited. Friends, that is a profound expression of someone who is growing, flourishing in their faith in Jesus. Uh, How about a senior who's experiencing significant health challenges, and yet... Every time I talk to them, they're holding on with joy. Joy and gratitude because in spite of the struggles, and they are real, there's a deep sense of Jesus' love and care and the hope of his resurrection. I think of a, another a young single woman who is always coming to me to ask for more reading because she wants to understand more deeply what is actually a fairly newfound faith for her. I think of a middle-aged fellow who is really wrestling through how to offer up his finances to God in an honoring, gospel-centered way. Or I think of another group of fellow believers here who have really stepped up to care for a couple who are experiencing significant need. This is good gospel gossip. You need to hear it. We need to hear it. We need to start bragging about one another. And pointing out the ways that the faith in Jesus, this trusting life in Jesus, and the love we have for each other, all rooted in the hope of Jesus, how that's finding expression in our lives. I believe that one of the signs of health and maturity and flourishing in our congregation will be that that kind of gospel gossip 
would form the core of our conversations and then shape our prayer of gratitude to God. So our first invitation here as we come into Colossians is let's hear and tell the stories, the good gospel gossip, and then let's be grateful to God for what he is doing in us. But what we notice in Paul's opening, he doesn't stop there. He expresses this gratitude. He says how he's been so thankful to God for them. But he allows this invitation to prayer to move us now to intercession. He moves from thanking God for the flourishing of these saints to then asking God that they would flourish more. And as I read this, uh, as I read this to you, I want you to notice specifically what Paul's praying for here, what he's asking God for, for these Colossian Christians, but for us. We can ask for each other. Listen to these words, verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you. Now, what's he praying for? Praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. As you bear fruit in every good work, and as you grow in the knowledge of God, may you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. This is a beautiful prayer, friends. I love it. Because I actually think it gives us a tangible way of praying for each other. Just as gospel, gospel, gospel gossip leads us to gratitude, the Spirit now leads us to pray for further flourishing in each other's lives. Paul's prayer, if you dig into it, you can see how it centers around, and it comes back and forth, right? He, he talks about being filled with the knowledge of God and being filled with spiritual wisdom and leading lives worthy and bearing fruit so we, as we grow in the knowledge of God. It comes back around, but if you kind of look through it, it seems to focus on kind of four areas. Fruitful ministry, uh, a flourishing spiritual formation, uh, an enduring strength, kind of a maturity and a, a, a power, a steadiness, and then a, a, a pervasive joyfulness, a pervasive thanksgiving that characterizes the community life. I love this because I, I think we can use this prayer specifically in how we pray for one another. And it's one of the concrete ways that I think that we can take this passage, even take this series, and use it even now. I actually want to encourage you to do that. Um, I want to encourage you to take, uh, for example, I took, I took just the verses 9 through uh, 12 here, and I printed it off on, on a sheet of paper, and I left myself a little bit of margin on the side to use as a prayer guide to actually think, okay, step back for a moment. Who came to your mind when we were thinking about gospel gossip? What man, what woman, what family? To then take this prayer and pray it for that person. You can start by just literally saying, God, I want to pray this for Jim. I want to pray this for Sarah. 
And then you pray this prayer for them. But here's the thing. As you and I do it, as we take this prayer and we begin to pray it on behalf of others, we begin to see the Holy Spirit will guide us actually to certain aspects of this prayer that he'll really want us to pray into. It could be that this person we're, 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 we're so excited about, that, that the Holy Spirit says, what I really want to gift them, what they really need from me, is a, a real understanding of, of, of my will for their life. It could be that there's another group or maybe us as a church and, and what the Holy Spirit says to you is, oh, what I really want them to understand is, is what bearing fruit in the good work I've given them, what that looks like in their life. And you let the Holy Spirit lead you through the word to pray and intercede for further flourishing in the lives of your brothers and your sisters. It's a beautiful thing. Is one of the things we're doing as a congregation is we're, we're asking, how can we pursue the flourishing that God has for us? So, for example, we're just putting out the word now. On May 9th, we're having a community meeting, or a congregational meeting, specifically so that we can begin to ask, Holy Spirit, how do you want us, well, to quote, to bear fruit in every good work as we grow in the knowledge of God? quite a prayer when you think about it, hey? I mean, Holy Spirit. You know, let, pray with me right now. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would lead us as the Erickson Covenant Church to bear fruit in the good work you've given us as we grow in the knowledge of God. Wow. What a prayer to pray. When we gather on May 9th, we're going we're gonna to actually spend some time specifically talking about what is the good work that God is calling us to as a congregation? What does that look like? And then we're going to pray about it together. We're going to seek the Lord's face and his direction because this, this whole like lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit and growing in knowledge, this is God's will for us. So what a beautiful thing to pray that on each other's behalf, to intercede according to God's will for each other. And so very practically, I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you to take this prayer, to print it out, to post it on your fridge or above your, above your mirror when you're brushing your teeth or take it with you in your wallet. Put it on a digital device so you can be reminded to, to read it. Even commit it to memory, but to use it as a prayer guide. I mean, if you don't have anyone else you can think of praying for, using this to pray for, would you use it to pray for me? Would you use it to pray for our leadership team? Would you use it to pray for our our, our worship leaders and our children's ministry workers? Would you just do that? That would be awesome. But I know God has someone on your heart and mind even now to pray this prayer for them. Friends, that's the invitation. Here, even as we begin, here in Colossians, this beautiful letter, that we come into the story, first of all, aware that God is already at work, giving gratitude to him for his gospel transformations happening, and then praying into further flourishing for each other. What a beautiful way into this story. And my hope is that together, we can travel together and figure out a bit more of what it means for us to flourish as modern saints. Because friends, you 
and I as we experience the faithfulness of Jesus and the love he has for us as that begins to reshape our lives and our relationships, all anchored in the hope of Jesus' resurrection, friends, we're as saintly as anyone else because of Jesus. And so let's flourish together. Today, I think it's a beautiful way to finish here at the communion table. To come to the table of the Lord Jesus. You know, those two twin terms that we were first introduced to, holy and faithful, the truth is we're not holy and faithful in and of ourselves, are we? No, of course not. We know that. We're only holy and faithful because Jesus is the holy and faithful one for us. One of the themes that's going to come out strongly as we pursue this uh, letter throughout these next couple months is how everything is centered in Christ. Our lives are in Christ. And this being in Christ and flourishing in Christ and living in Christ reminds us that here, right at the very beginning, we are holy because we are in the Holy One, Jesus Christ. We can be faithful because of the faithfulness of the faithful one, Jesus Christ. And so today, I want to invite you to join me here at the table, join us here at communion, and to simply approach today with the spirit of gratitude and petition. Normally, we have a liturgy that we're following, but I decided today to just keep it fairly simple for us. I invite you to take the bread, the juice that you have set aside, to join me now. I'm going to pull this a little closer. Because here at the table of Jesus, he invites us to take bread. Remember, on the last night, as just before he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said to his disciples, take this and eat this. This is, this is my body broken for you. And then after supper, he took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant. And, and drink this and eat this, remembering me and all that I've done for you, proclaiming my death until I come again. And I don't think there's anything more beautiful than remembering here and now that we are holy and faithful because Jesus was holy and faithful. And we come to this table with gratitude. And so I'd like to invite you just to join me in a prayer of gratitude for Jesus and all that he is to us. Would you join me? Lord Jesus, we declare that you are the Holy One. You are the faithful Son. We come to this table today astonished, actually, that you would identify us as holy and faithful, and we recognize that that's not because of something we've done. It's not because of something that's good about us or something awesome that we've performed. No. The fact that we can be holy and faithful, it's all because of you. What an astonishing thing, Lord Jesus. And we are so grateful. We give you praise and glory for your holiness, your purity. The fact that you were willing to be set apart by the Father for us to bear upon yourself, your own shoulders, our shame, our sin, our death, to take that to the cross for us and then in power by the Holy Spirit to be raised again from the dead. You are the Holy One. 
You were faithful to what your father had asked you to do, faithful to the very end, faithful through death and faithful into life. And now, through the gift of your Holy Spirit, you've drawn us in to your holiness and in to your faithfulness. And we today just want to say thank you. Lord Jesus, we come today aware that we have struggles, sin, blind spots. And now, just for a moment, in quietness, we just want to confess those things to you that we've been holding on to. Confess maybe a particular attitude or a sin or behavior that isn't in keeping with you and who you are and who you've made us to be. We just confess those to you now. Lord Jesus, having confessed to you sin and frailty, we acknowledge again with gratitude how your holiness and your faithfulness surrounds us. We can raise our eyes and our heads to you with a smile on our face knowing that we are loved in you. And now, Lord Jesus, for one another we pray that truly we would see each other filled with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, that we would live the lives worthy of you, fully pleasing to you. We just pray that for one another right now. We ask that you would help us by your spirit to bear the fruit you have given us to bear in all the good work you've given us to do as we grow in the knowledge of who you are. Make us strong, Lord, in your strength, the strength that comes from your glorious power. And may we be so strong in you that we are able to endure with patience whatever is happening around us, giving joyful thanks to you because you brought us into this life. You've given us profoundly everything we need to live and follow you. In grace today, with gratitude, we receive all that you have for us. In your name we pray, amen. It's the body of Christ. This is the blood of Christ. Take, eat. Friends, as you go today, may you go knowing that you walk as a saint. May you go ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for us. And let's lean into this together. God wants us to flourish. Let's flourish. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.